right, how many of you believe you can begin again? Now, you do know that the ultimate begin again is to get born again. But once you've been born again, have you ever been born again, then need, need to be uh, again again after having begun again? I said that. Having begun again, have you ever needed to begin again? Some of you need to begin again today. And I want you to know that our God is a God of hope, of vision, of the future, of a fresh start, of a new beginning, of a new horizon. It's never over until God has had his say. And so I want to talk to you out of some of my favorite passages today. And I am going to talk about you can begin again. Let's look at Isaiah 43, verse 16 and 18 and 19. These verses are so marked up in my Bible, it's ruined the pages. I love this set of passages. It says, God talking to the people of God in Babylonian captivity. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Do not remember the former things. We need to read verse 18 together. Talk to me. You ready? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. We need to keep going. Read with me. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? What will God do? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now I want to change that last part. I want you to personalize it. Say, he will even make a road in my wilderness and rivers in my desert. Do you believe that? Amen. Father, thank you for the word of God today. Lord, there are discouraged people here. There are people who have had setbacks. There are people who have been betrayed, disillusioned, hurt. And Lord, there are several, many, who are wondering if beginning again is even possible. Some watching by streaming right now are not here today because they were so discouraged over certain situations and are wondering can I begin again? Lord, I pray that you will just give us fresh hope, inspire our faith, ignite the fire we used to walk in. Lord, I pray that shattered dreams and broken vision will be encouraged today, will be reignited today, will be called out again today, resurrected today. I pray that, Lord, we will, those that came in dragging will leave skipping. And I believe you for it in Jesus' name. Now breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, I receive the word. To my heart, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good today. You better perk up and listen. It's for you. Now, how many of you remember an Etch-A-Sketch? You remember that up there? How many of you did not ever have an Etch-A-Sketch? I want to pray for you. <laughs> How many of you had an Etch-A-Sketch at some time along? Look at that. There's an Etch-A-Sketch. Now, it's a little red and gray tablet, as you can see, drawing board. Two little dials at the bottom. 
that you can turn them either way, and you can go either vertical or horizontal, but if you turn the two dials together, you can, either go, you can even go diagonally, and you can make squiggly little pictures of things. And the cool thing about the Etch-A-Sketch is it came before computers, so there's no digital readouts. There's no beeping. There's no flashing. It doesn't even take batteries. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> and the best thing about it was if you messed up, all you had to do was shake it. All you had to do was shake it, and you got a totally clean screen. In other words, you could start all over all day long. And I can't tell you how many times I did not come out with what I wanted, and it was such a joy to turn that thing upside down and just shake it. And, and it's gone, and I could start completely new. Wouldn't it be great if life was like an Etch-A-Sketch? Don't you wish life was like an Etch-A-Sketch? When you mess up, you just shake it, and all your mistakes just disappear, and you can start all over, right on the spot, like nothing ever happened. Oh, I wish life was like an Etch-A-Sketch. But don't you wish credit cards were like an Etch-A-Sketch? I mean, some of you got bills on those credit cards. You're paying 16%, 18%. They are robbing you, stealing from you. Don't you wish you could turn that card upside down and go... And all the debt goes away. Doesn't work that way, does it? And life doesn't either. Now, I'm going to talk real to you today. I'm going to talk right to many of you who are in a situation where you wish you had an Etch-A-Sketch that could get rid of things. You could just disappear from your life because of mistakes you've made or other people made in your life that have hurt you. What do you do when everything in your life falls apart and you can't erase it? You, you wish you could erase it, but you can't erase it. It just doesn't work that way. Your career, you thought it was going to go one way and it started to for a while, but something has happened along the way and now that career has shattered or come up short and has not produced what you thought it would. Or that marriage. You just knew this was it. And you were happy perhaps for a long time. Maybe not for so long. But then that relationship you put all your dreams in came apart. And you felt helpless. And you could not shake it and make it right. And it crashed. Or that dream of yours. You had a dream. When you were younger, you had a dream. And you were shooting for that dream and believed that you were going to achieve that dream. And you found out that life is something that happens when you're making other plans. And the dream shattered. And now you don't know what to do because you feel disillusioned. You feel hurt. You feel let down. You feel that God's let you down, some of you. Why did God leave me to do this or leave me to do that or put this in my heart and now it has not happened the way I thought that it would? These things do happen to the best of us. Do you know that Martin Luther King Jr., just shortly before his death, wrote about this? He said, shattered dreams are the hallmarks of our mortal lives. I believe that's a true statement because we live in a fallen world and we're fallen people. Shattered dreams are the hallmarks of our mortal lives. Rare is the person who achieves everything they set out to do. And I mean everything. Something happens along the way, and you have to come to terms with, the grips with, a new reality. 
when it shatters, when life comes crashing down, when the wind blows and the rain falls and the flood beats against your house, your dream, your life, and it falls, how do you pick up the pieces? What do you do? How do you, how do you deal with it? Do you say, well, that's it, curtain call, I tried, the fat lady is singing, it's over for me. It's never going to happen the way I wanted. Do you just kind of give up right there? Do you let it die? Let me tell you about a graveyard that is in our world. The biggest graveyard in the world is the graveyard of broken dreams. People who dream, people who had visions, people who had aspirations, and they went for them and they believed for it, but something happened along the way. And it crashed. And they died there. They stopped there. They gave up there. And that's why it's a graveyard. But my message to you today is a miracle message, a message of hope, that just because something crashes, just because something shatters, just because it doesn't go the way you thought it would, does not mean it's over. You can begin again. You can begin again. I'm going to say that again. You can begin again. No matter what mistakes you've made, no matter how you've messed things up or what others or life itself may have done to you, you can still begin again. You know why? Because we serve a God who is the God of beginnings. Do you know that the greatest comeback person in the entire world lives inside of you? Nobody came back like Jesus. Nobody came back from impossible odds like Jesus. And the great comeback Christ lives inside of you. And that's why it says we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And he always leads us in triumph in Jesus Christ. Now, in our text, Isaiah is speaking to the people of Judah who are in Babylonian captivity. They've been there for 70 years, and they're there because of something they did. They did it to themselves. Now, I think that's the hardest trial to go through. You're going through hell on earth, and you know you're going through hell on earth because you did it. You messed up. You made a mistake, made some bad decisions, and now you're going through a really tough time. Boy, that can work on you, and that's where Judah was. Judah did not listen to God. They refused to repent. They refused to get their lives right, and finally God judged them and took them into Babylonian captivity. And when Isaiah is bringing these words, it is at the very end of their captivity. Seventy years have passed. Their time is up. So he's bringing this word to them. And you got to keep in mind, this is a people who had been demoralized, discouraged, felt hopeless, lost everything. They lost their homeland. They lost their homes. They lost their temple. It was burned to the ground. The wall of their city came crashing down. They lost everything. They, they temporarily lost their destiny. They lost home and hearth. They lost everything. They were demoralized. They were disillusion. They were down on themselves. They were beating themselves up. They were mad at themselves. They were feeling like there's no new beginning for us. We blew it too bad. We messed up too bad. It was almost impossible for them to believe that they could start over again, begin a new life, start fresh. Almost impossible. Some of you feel that way today. 
You're just like them. You're suffering from mistakes you've made, and you're having a hard time believing that God even wants to give you a new start. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm going to preach that out of your brain today. Our God always wants to give you a fresh start. Our God delights in in giving hope to the hopeless and strength to the weak and healing to the sick and deliverance to the bound. Now, it was to these same people that the prophet Jeremiah wrote my favorite verse. When I sign books, I always sign Jeremiah 29, 11 in the book. Here it is. God says to these people, this demoralized, failed people, he says, I know the thoughts I'm thinking towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil. I want you to think about that and go down in your own mind. Thoughts of good. I'm thinking here, God is telling them, here's what I'm thinking about you. Here's my aspiration for you. Here's my will for you. Here's what's in my mind about you. You think I'm thinking evil of you and that I'm down on you, but I'm not. I have thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. So both these major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, are bringing God's word to this people saying, you can begin again. It is not over because you serve a restoring, forgiving God. There is hope for a new future. Folks, you can begin again. You can begin again. The only time you can't begin again is when you're in the grave. And right now, as I'm looking at you, you're not in the grave. So you are begin again material. Now, I want to go back to Isaiah's words to them because he gives clear detail on what we all must do if we want to begin again in cooperation with God. Because you see, God can, can give a word and say, I want you to begin again, but we must cooperate with God and what he leads us to do in the begin again process. So Isaiah is giving them three things having to do with beginning again. And I don't care how you feel today, how much you have failed today, what you think about your life today, what others say about you today, I'm here to tell you that you can begin again and that God is pulling for you, God is for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? So here's the first thing Isaiah says. He says to these people, he says, you're going to have to let the past go. You're going to have to let your past go. Do not remember the former things, first instruction, nor consider the things of old. Now, those two words, I'm going to pull two words out of this. Remember and consider. Don't remember the former things. Consider the things of old. The word remember here means call to mind. Call to mind. He's saying, don't keep rehearsing and rehashing things from your past, the hurts, the disappointments, the letdowns, the failures, the mistakes. Don't keep rehearsing it. Don't keep rehashing it. Stop hitting the replay button. It's not doing you any good to keep on remembering, calling to your mind. It's like you're whistling to it. Come here, come here, come here. I want to think about you again. It's not that it's jumping into their mind. It's that they're calling it to mind. So he said, stop that. If you're going to make a new beginning, if you're going to walk in the will of God and walk into your future, you've got to let the past go. The second thing is the word consider. And this word consider is so interesting. It means to try to understand something. And I get this because he's saying, quit beating your head in, trying to understand how all that back there happened, whatever it was that happened. 
Quit beating your head in trying to understand what, what, what happened back there, why they did what they did, why you did what you did, why what happened happened. Quit trying to figure it all out. Because there are some things you're never going to figure out this side of heaven. You're never going to figure it out. God is saying, let it go. Quit trying to figure it all out. Let's just pretend I'm going down a highway today. And I'm going down about 70 miles an hour, going down an interstate highway. And all of a sudden, I see an armadillo starting to cross the road. But it's too late for me and for the armadillo. And I feel this boom-boom. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I, and I care about the armadillo. And a lot of you would just keep right on going. But let's just say I care about the armadillo. So I get out of my car, and I run up, and, because maybe he's not hurt as bad as I thought, and I can just kind of put him off to the side of the road and hopefully he recovers and lumbers away before long. And that's all good. But if you come back a year later, and I'm still there, And I'm going, how in the world did I hit this armadillo? How in the world did I come along right when he came along? And how in the world could I not slow down enough to miss him? And where was he going anyway? And why couldn't he take the hit? And how did I hit him that hard? You would have every right in the world to say to me, Jeff, you need to go see a counselor. (laughs) See, it's one thing to look at something when it happens, but he's saying when it's way back there, see... That guy who's there a year later studying the armadillo has missed a whole year on the highway of life. So you're trying to figure out the, how, the, how that happened to me. How did I get hit that way? How did I hit somebody else that way? How this, how that? And he's saying, you're wasting your time. Get over it. Let the past go. Leave roadkill in your rear view mirror. And get down the highway. Get moving in the will of God. Are you hearing me today? Are y'all hearing me today? Because some of you are back there. Why did I say that to that boy? Why did they say that to me? How in the world did I let that relationship go bad? How in the world did I do this and I do that? Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. It's over. I'm reminded of the account of Joshua. When we go to the book of Joshua, they're about ready to cross over the Jordan River. And they're ready to take the promised land. He's got a whole second generation just salivating, drooling to start going over the other side and taste the fruit of the land. All their parents are dead. This is a whole new generation. They're ready to go. They're ready to cross. And God says something to them. And and you got to go, why did God say this to them when he said it? But he says three words to them. He says, Moses is dead. Here they are. They're armed to the teeth. They're ready to go. They're waiting for Joshua to give them the go-ahead. And God says, Moses is dead. And I read that and I go, why did God feel compelled to tell them something they already knew? I'll tell you why. Because a part of them was hanging on back there when it wasn't Joshua, it was Moses. And the way his face shined in the dark, the way he walked with God, the way he brought the word, the stateliness of his gait, they were thinking all about Moses, and they needed to fully let go of back there so they could move forward out there. You know what God was saying to them? A new day is here. The old has gone. God was saying, you can't live in the past anymore. 
And he's saying the same to many of you. That person that hurt you, they're gone. That hurtful time, it's over. That betrayal, it's past. That letdown, it's done with. That mistake, you can't fix it. That event that changed you and scarred you and has defined so much of who you are, it's time to leave it, put it behind you. It's a new day. It's a new horizon. It's a new vista. It's a new destiny. It's a new hour. By the grace of God, you don't have to be a slave of your past. Whatever you did or whatever happened to you, Christ has set you free from it. So you need to let it go. Paul wrote, I focus on this one thing, forgetting, forgetting. Now listen, this man killed Christians. This man tore families apart. He went into every Christian house he could find and tore families apart and hauled the parents off to prison. He, by his own admission, took Christians into a jail cell and did his best to force them to blaspheme God and blaspheme the name of Jesus. He wrought havoc on the church. He was the scourge of the early church. And and this man came to Christ and accepted his forgiveness. And that's why this man says, forgetting the past. Now, you may have a lot of things happen to you, but you didn't kill a bunch of people. And you didn't stand over people and say, I want you to curse the name of Jesus. You didn't do any of the things he did. And this man said, forgetting, 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 forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. See, you can't reach forward when you're looking backward. You don't have eyes in the back of your head. You can only look one direction at one time. And that's why I wrote a book called The Windshield is Bigger Than the Rearview Mirror. What God has for you is far greater than what you've done. So the first step to beginning again is to let go of the past. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, which leads right to the second thing that Isaiah told the people. He said, he said expect God to act. Expect God to act. Listen to what he said. For I am about to do something new. Now, everybody say now. Now Now it shall spring forth. Not a year from now, five, ten years from now. He said now. Now in the Hebrew means now. (laughs) Now it shall spring forth. I love the original language reads just like this. It has already begun. Don't you see it? Now, folks, I'm talking to people who I believe love the Lord, are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are being guided by the same God who led them by the fire by night and the cloud by day. You you are walking with the God who guides us, who orders our steps, who, who directs our path, who teaches and instructs us in the way that we should go, who guides us with his eye. And I'm telling you that this God who is in charge of every hour and minute and microsecond of your life says, look around you. It has already begun. Don't you see it? Not only am I about to do something new, it's already started. Do you see it? The implication is 
that if you're looking back here, you can't see it. If you're looking backwards, you can't see it because you're looking backwards. So get your eyes out of back here and look this way and look around you with the eye of faith and you will see that God has already started moving on your behalf. He is already opening new doors. He is already beginning a new thing. Now it has already begun. He says this to these people who are in bondage. Now, I've wondered often, why would God have to say, don't you see it? Do you see it? Shall you not know it? Why did he have to do that? Because sometimes the single biggest obstacle to beginning again is us being able to believe that God also wants that for us. In other words, it's unbelief that keeps us. That's why he said, he said don't you see it? He's saying, put on your eye of faith and take off those, those eyes, get rid of that vision of doubt and unbelief. I want you to believe in a God who gives a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. He's not the God of the second chance. If he's the God of the second chance, I'd have been done a long time ago. I'm here to tell you he's the God of a hundredth chance, a thousandth chance. As many times as you repent, he'll give you another chance. This was Judah's problem. I'm convinced of it. They had so failed God and experienced such devastating loss that they struggled to believe God wanted them to have a fresh start. They were under condemnation, but God did, and he does you. The God of new beginnings does new things for his people. I love these verses. Listen to this. His compassions fail not. They are new. Everybody say new with me. Every year. Oh, I read it wrong. What does it say? How often does God do something new? Say it. Every morning. See, when you get up in the morning, he's already got breakfast made for you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He, he makes the devil watch while he blesses you. He says, devil, you think that you stopped them? You think you convinced them that it's over, that they have no more future? I'm about to prepare something new for them, and I'm going to make you watch, but you can't touch them. I love that. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. The Message Bible says, you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Listen to this one, Ephesians 3. Now glory be to God. This is from the man who killed Christians. Glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more. I'm going to read those last words. Able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dare to dream infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. That God does a new thing in your life. Your marriage failed. He got a new something for you. You messed up with some sin. You repent and get right with God. He's got something new for you. Somebody did something to you and knocked you out of the saddle and broke your heart and betrayed you and stuck a knife in your back. That knife's coming out and God's going to heal you and he's got something new for you. You walked into your office and there was a pink slip on your desk and you wondered what you were going to do and the devil said it's over for you. There goes your career. He's a liar. God's got something new for you. You can begin again. 
You go back to what Isaiah is saying to them, open your eyes and look around you. I've already begun, and I want you to spot it. Then he describes exactly how a new beginning begins. He said, it shall spring up like grass springs from the ground, or it shall bud forth like the opening of flower petals. Slowly, gracefully, beautifully, God begins to do a new thing. Just yesterday, I went to get mail out of my mailbox in the front yard. As I was coming back, I was going through the mail, and I just happened to look down, and here's my bushes uh, in my front yard, and I noticed I noticed that all of a sudden, uh, there's these little blossoms beginning to blossom, which normally would happen in April, but we're in a freaky year. <laughs> it's already happening now. It's already happening now. <laughs> I could almost say, now it shall spring forth. And, and, and I thought to myself, Spring is already here. A new thing is about to happen. And I love spring. Here's why. Winter is passing away. The harshness of the winter, the coldness of the winter, the bitterness of the winter, everything dying because of winter. Winter signifies the loss of of vision. When you you don't have that, that vision burning in your heart like you used to, winter is that time of disappointment. Winter is that time of disillusionment. Winter is that time when things in your life seem to die. But then spring always comes, and God does a new thing. New things, new life, new growth has already begun. And this is a beautiful picture of how divine providence comes to pass, how the hand of God moves to restore. Things begin to change. Watch this. New doors start creaking open. Fresh opportunities begin to peek around the corner. Whispers of hope can be heard saying, you can begin again. You can start over. Dare to see and believe it. Me, Jeff? Yes, you. Because the comeback, Christ, lives in you. Oh, my. Stop thinking about it. You would have been down a long time ago if not for the comeback, Christ, living inside of you. You've been knocked down plenty of times, but you got back up. How did you get back up? Because the comeback, Christ, lives inside of you. And he doesn't quit. He says it is finished. He doesn't quit. He says it is finished. I'm not done with you, says God. I've not washed my hands of you. Expect my goodness and mercy to shine on your life. So here's the deal. You got to let go. Say it with me. Let go of the past. Expect God to act. And one last thing, you've got to step out on God's word. You've got to step out. If you want a new beginning, you're going to have to do some stepping out. Isaiah finishes by saying, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now think with me, if God makes a road, it's a useless road unless somebody steps out and walks on it. And if if he makes a river in a desert place, it's a useless river unless somebody steps out and drinks from it. In other words, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. And God can open doors for us, but we must then put feet to our faith and walk through the door. You got to step out on God's word you got to believe that he's going to give you a new beginning. And then when he begins to open doors and, and there's little possibility here and a little opportunity there, you've got to grab it. You've got to seize the season. You've got to, by faith, step. I mean, if Peter had said to Jesus, uh, Jesus, you're out there walking on the water. If it's your will, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. 
What if Peter stopped right there and said to the disciples, wow, I got a word. I got a word. I got a word said, come. Can you believe that? Hallelujah. I got a word. Yeah, you got a word. You got a word, man. You got a word. Uh, uh, great. I, I'm going to sit right here in this boat and I'm going to glory in that word. I'm going to sit on that word. I'm going to rejoice that I got a word. Hey, the word was so that you would step out on it. He wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the word from Jesus. The word from Jesus. See, it requires a step. It always requires a step. They had to step out on God's word. Step up to the plate. Step out in faith so that you can turn your dream into a reality. People say, dare to dream. I say, it doesn't take any daring to dream. Anybody can dream. The daring comes in when you begin to step out on that dream. When you step on that dream, when you walk in faith to achieve that dream, when you put feet to your faith, that's the daring that comes with dreaming. Like I said, the greatest cemetery in the world is broken dreams. People who had a dream, but they never stepped out on it. They just let it die. Not me. God gives me a dream. I'm going for it. I'm going to run for it. I'm going to reach out my hand and I'm going to seize it. Is anybody here today? See, some of you, you've got a word from God, but it's time for you to move. It's time for you to act. It's time for you to get out of the boat and start walking on the water. We know from history that of the million or so that were taken captive, about 40 to 50,000 stepped out on the word and returned to the homeland. That's it. 40 to 50,000 of them. So the vast majority stayed in bondage, stayed in captivity. Why? Because of unbelief. They would not walk on the word. They didn't believe what God was telling them. They did not obey what God was telling them. They didn't walk out on that promise. Promises are made to walk on. A lot of people sitting in the premises, we ought to be standing on the promises. Amen? So 40 to 50,000 returned. The rest of them didn't begin again. Wow. That's a stat. They had God's forgiveness. They had God's promise, but they didn't step out in faith. But the prophet Jonah did after running from God and spending three days and nights in a whale's belly. He repented. He accepted God's forgiveness. He expected God to act, and he began again, living to see an entire city repent. Peter began again after his dismal failure of denying Jesus three times. He accepted Christ's forgiveness, expected him to act on his behalf, and began again as the great apostle to the Jews, and he became the the preacher at Pentecost. Paul began again after his persecution of the church, killing Christians, He accepted Christ's forgiveness, expected him to act according to his promise and began again as the great apostle Paul and to the Gentiles and gave us two-thirds of the New Testament. Thank God all three of them began again. You can begin again. Can we stand together today? Now I want to talk to you with your heads bowed in prayer. And your eyes closed, please. Let me just talk to you. It's just me talking to you. 
Forget about everybody around you. And let me just talk now. Right to your heart. You're discouraged. You wonder if God has anything left for you. You've lost your vision, lost your fire. The enemy has tried to tell you it's over. That you don't have it. It's not in you. You're going to begin again. I'm speaking life to you today. You're going to begin again. You're going to turn around and things are going to turn around for you. God's going to move on your behalf and you're going to begin again. And I want to pray for you right now. If you say, Jeff, this was for me. And I know that I need to begin again in some area of my life. I want you to raise your hands right where you are. I'm going to pray for you. Put them high. Put them high. All over this sanctuary. Lord, I pray for these precious people. Lord, I pray the enemy does not succeed in discouraging. The enemy does not succeed. And Lord, that their own minds don't work against them. But I pray that, Lord, you will ignite our faith, that you will you will reignite our hope, that you will reignite our vision. And Lord, help us to begin again. Lord, help us to let go of that past right now. Say with me, I let go. I let go of that past. Now say with me, I expect God to move. Say it again, I expect God to move. One more time, I expect God to move on my behalf. And now say with me, as he begins, I will respond by faith and stepping out and seizing the season. Now, some of you, you've drifted from the Lord. You drifted from the Lord. And as you drifted from the Lord, you began to feel hopeless. Something happened, and you couldn't see that there could be a beginning again. And so you just drifted. You drifted in unbelief. You drifted out there. Listen, you can begin again by coming home right now. Begin again by getting right smack in the epicenter of the will of God. That's his word to you today. You can begin again today. Begin again. Why not begin again today? And then there's a last, a last person I want to talk to. Listen carefully to me. The greatest begin again is to be born again. The greatest begin again is to be born again. There's no greater beginning again than getting born again. If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Behold, the old is passed away and all, all, everything is become new. That is a total begin again. And if you've got a question mark in your mind about whether or not Jesus is living in your heart, if there's a whisper of a question, begin again today. Let him come into your heart. Now I'm going to pray with you. And you can pray it. You can pray it right now. You can pray it today. So pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for drifting. And Lord, I want to begin again today by getting in the epicenter of the will of God, the center of the will of God. Lord, forgive me. Set my feet on solid ground. And help me to begin again today. 
And if there's a question mark about your salvation, pray this right now. Just pray it right now. You can do it. There's nobody else here. Forget about everybody else. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I repent of my sin that separated me from God. Forgive me because of your blood and come into my heart, Jesus, today.